My name is Jean Wee. I'm one of the core members of the community group called Big Boat. And we are organizing a um, candidate forum plus uh, voting party for tonight. Hello, beautiful people. My name is Alex Catano, and I'm here with John Wee Tran. Uh, John, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing very good. And uh, we are here to pretty much just talk about your lineup of work. Um, so first, just share with us who you are and what you do. So hi, everyone. My name is Jean-Louis Bonavim-Pez. I'm a community organizer here in San Diego. I work in very different spaces. But um, for my job job, I work for Center on Policy Initiatives, Renical Listen, um, that does the work on CD budgets. We do the work year-round on CD budgets at the city of San Diego. And I also am the current uh, president for a nonprofit called Vic Vote, which is dedicated our mission to um, do a lot of voter education as well as bringing the programmers resources back to the Vietnamese community here in San Diego. Um, I do a lot of volunteer work, so I'm popping up all over the places. Um, most of my work also on, um, the other part of my work also on state legislation as well, that um, uh, support the bills on criminal justice reform here in California. And just share with us what got you to be an activist here in criminal justice. I'm part of the new wave that woke up during the 2017. I remember waking up to a very different reality of the world and feeling like if I don't do something, then I I don't know what's going to happen. So from there, I pivoted myself completely into the activism world and just do anything that I could, um, organizing rallies, to marches, protests, to pull people to public meetings. Um, that's part of what I think that I can create changes um, into the world. There's a portion of my work had been focusing on criminal justice reform because um, the story that only recently that are coming out more and more into the world because I feel empowered enough to, to share the story. I'm actually an immigrant that came to the United States in 1990. Um, most of my family from Vietnam that already came here way before us, I did. After right after the war ended in 1975, my brother was one of them. He came here when he was 18 months old. So most of my life, I only knew that I had a younger brother live across the ocean until when we united in 1990. I was already 13 years old. He was 12. I only got to know my brother, only a portion of like a handful of years. We live very different lives. I basically went to school doing all kind of stuff. My brother joined Vietnamese gang because that is the way that he thought that he, you know, can connect to the community, um, to his culture. So one night he went out with his friends, all of them. And one of one of his friends shot another kid. So they were scrambling, running away. And uh, my brothers hit his friend in his car. So he, all of them got arrested. But this has happened during the 90s. Top on crime to strike you out. And the DA stacking charges. And my family would definitely did not, definitely did not know how to navigate through the criminal justice system. So we ended up took the a plea deal. That um, that landed him with a life sentence 
um, despite him never having a gun or shooting anybody at all. So most of life, most of my younger life have been in prison. I don't think the world really realized what that means. The criminal justice system had designed like a share of stacking charges that puts a lot of BIPOC community members into a prison. As soon as the police pull you over, that's it. Everything escalated. But we hear the violence every day on the street, right? Gun shooting, all kind of stuff. But we never really think about the violence again, the BIPOC community who get touched by the criminal justice system. We send these people into prison and it's hopeless. It's hopeless. We go there and we walk their life wither away. My younger brother never had a chance to date, to get a credit score, to rent an apartment, or to understand what it means to go apply for a job for an interview. So he lived most of his life in prison until when he almost 40 years old. One morning in 2018, my family received a call from the warden that they found my brother was hung. He was still alive a little bit. So they transport him to Hillcrest emergency room. And I watch him, I watch the hope, the lie with draining from him within a week. And I made the hardest decision of my life was to pull the plug and let him go. I can tell you how did that feel to have my mother watching my mother screaming for him to come back. So I think after an experience like that, I don't think that I can look at the criminal justice system the same way. I'm super sorry to hear that. Huh? Um, really am. Because of this story, how are ways that you have been helping benefit the Vietnamese community with job searching and housing? How have you been helping with that? So um, the another part of my work is, you know, I go to evolution of work. So I first started rallying marches and I realized that afterward, people just disappear and then we continue on do more organizing. And then I start switching over state legislation because I want to work more with BIPOC community and addressing the issue that, it, that affected them, you know, every day and um, the policing and all of that. And then somewhere along the line, I also realized that my Vietnamese community in, you know, City High and Linda Vista, they came here, the refugee came to the United States and they landed in city of San Diego, I think 30 years now. And they still live the same way that they were. I walk those streets all the time and watching my people live right. Uh, I always very happy to see how, like recognizing certain things like shoes outside the house, outside the apartment, a certain fruit tree being grown. Like, oh my God, that Vietnamese, that Asian for sure. And then herbs. But the sad part is like, for me, watching them growing herbs in bucket and living small dowling, right? And street is still unrepaired after a decade. And that's when I started realizing that my community is very much needed a lot of resources. They need they need organizing, right? And that's where I started pivot to work closer and closer, closer to the Vietnamese community. Because I think actually if you name it an issue, the Vietnamese community have gaps in it. And that's where I think the work I do now with Vic Boat can definitely fill in those gaps. And um, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work. 
we have to start somewhere. So we're starting with housing because I think that, you know, um, a lot of Vietnamese community members live in City High and Linda Vista are renters. And with the crisis of housing, lack of housing right now, definitely we need to protect more people to keep them housed and not falling to homelessness, try to feed out, you know, join in a conversation about affordable housing for low-income people because they are at risk, most at risk of being homeless. So we need to protect. I want to learn a little bit more about how long did it take you to make it as the president? And more importantly, how long have you been with the organization? Just share a little bit about your journey to yes. this moment. I showed up to a lot of spaces to do organize, you know, volunteer work and everything. One day I showed up and um, to a rally organizing thing for San Diego 350. They were doing climate march and I ran into a Vietnamese guy and he was like, you're Vietnamese. And we're like, there's a group of us I've been getting together to try to figure out a way to increase more voting in the Vietnamese community. And I'm like, I love voting. I love Vietnamese people. <laughs> yes. Count me in. So I joined the group and they already started forming the group late 2017. I joined early 2018. And the group, like I said, they would just try to find a way to do more voting education and increase and then encourage more people to vote, right? To build that community power. And as time I was doing work in the accounting field, I was working in the private sector. I was very good at, at, in the accounting field, but I've been doing it for so long. So I had all the extra time that I went and volunteered all over the places. And so it ended up me going to a lot of meetings, you know, representing the group they vote. So we, um, for the first two years, we did a lot of voter education, trying to outreach to the community and remind them to go voting, go vote during the election. But sometime along the way, there was a collision, a huge collision here in San Diego County, like 120 hours came together and um, started working on the census work. And we vote with the only Vietnamese group sitting in that, in those meetings. And that's when um, we start thinking about like getting to the funding. And that's when we, you know, make a strategic call to turn the group into a nonprofit, 501c3. And um, because I had a lot of capacity, so it ended up me running for the, the uh, to be the their president. So at all today, I have been three terms though. So for three years, we've been doing that work. And when I started realizing that we had to ship more into a program services, because it's not authentic, you have to call the community every two years and ask them to go vote. Um, we need to serve them more. And basically during the time of need, the Vietnamese community would not connect to a lot of program services. And then when, you know, that way we fill in the gap and, um, so we start switching more and more and more and doing that work. So yeah, it's been a journey of growth. Went from a small group of small group of people with a great intention of engaging community into a nonprofit. And then after today, we're still capacity building in terms of hiring staff, training them uh, into you know feed out with issues and where do we need to connect the community members. And so it's been a journey of growth. It's it's pretty amazing watching it. How did you see this year, considering it was a voting year? So I'm proud to say the group people have done a lot of work. Um, our Get Out of Vote campaign is one of the more comprehensive campaign I have seen. Uh, for example, we the research on all the candidates in the county of San Diego and um, presented to the communities 
um, you know, their top priorities. Um, and then we also did a candidate interview strategically, uh, specifically for uh, City Council District 6 of the City of San Diego, because that's where an API uh, empowerment district. And then we also um, did research on just ballot props and local measure, study the language and make it similar for folks to understand and also translated into Vietnamese. In fact, all of our work translated as well. We even have links to where the community member can find it near the vote center or where they can drop out the ballots. We absolutely detect banking, phone banking, like calling everyone on the list during the cycle of for the city of San Diego. It has been pretty amazing. I have to say, for three years, we're consistently doing the work that it gets to the point where now, when the name Big Vote came up, the community member actually know of our work and know about us. So it, it's been amazing watching that grow and that recognition and that credibility within the communities. Who have been some of your biggest influence in the path that you have to yourself thus far? So as I shared, I put my I pivot my way into activism. I just go do it. I'm live my life not afraid of a lot of stuff because I'm also like want to learn from mistakes. So I just go and do things and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I'll go do it. And so because of that, I specifically situated myself around the people that inspire me, that also hold me accountable, that also give me goods with them um, and check me in, right? Like I have a lot of those folks and I have a lot of leaders, um, for example, in the criminal justice reform, uh, the black community. I have a few, like Leila Aziz, she's a part, she's one of the leader of Pillars of Community, who does a lot of work within the black community, and specifically on the policing issue and criminal justice issue. So also Genevieve Jo Wright, um, she you do run for the DA. She's amazing, amazing in every way. Um, I look up to her a lot. And then there, my current boss as Center of Policy Initiative, Dr. Kira Green, um, she's a brilliant in every single thing that I can imagine. It's so inspiring. Like when I'm with her, I feel very nurtured. Um, she had that um, that word of being very gracious and and and, and nurturing. And I I feel like I, I'm very energy driven. Like I want to be around her because I, I I can learn. I know I can go places and then feel that support. I can go do other you know do the things that I want to do with the support. And then there are another person from Indivisible Network. Her name is Tama. Becker, Verano. I mean, we came up together within the same network. There's something very calm about her too. And many times whenever I encounter in situation, and I told her this story too, I always ask myself like, what would Tamma do? And I would say, oh, I need to sleep on it. And then come back to it the next day before I'm going to respond to something. Because knowing me, my energy is very fired. Um, if something happened to me, I would want to respond right away. And sometimes not, that's not exactly the best thing to do. So I would like go to sleep on the issues and come back and deal with it the next day. Um, so there, those are individuals that I justically surrounded myself. And whenever I need guidance, I will go, I would reach out to them. I know that I can get really good answers that will help guide me. Um, through my work and what I, you know, like 
whatever or difficulty. How have you seen a big change since you've been here in San Diego? When I first came to San Diego, I lived a very sheltered life. I only focus on the beauty of San Diego, hiking, kayaking, camping. But these days, I've seen a different side of San Diego. It's not saying that it's not beautiful. It's absolutely very beautiful in the, in the raw perspective. I see there are a lot of inequities that need to be corrected. You know, the movement is beautiful because we have a lot of activists working together all the time. We're in it. We're in this fight together. Um, we're constantly inspiring each other and do the work. And um, it's hard to say the changes because I think, you know, the movement is evolution. We rise and we low and then we'll recuperate. And I feel like right now, even though the movement is there, there um, there are like a lot of us are feeling tired, softed. And then so like in the moment where we, like I, I personally feel like, you know, come back and stay a little bit quiet and 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 then rebuild, right? Recruit more people into the work. Um, there have been some wins that brought the changes, you know, good positive changes into the community. But at the same time, now it's a question of us how to organize in a more sustainable way, how to build more people into the work and continue with the wind that we have. So there are some, but then I think the issue, like for example, tenant protection and housing, there's, uh, we are behind. We definitely are behind. And the fight is out there is very real, hoping for those changes to come through because it's getting harder to, uh, to live here in San Diego because rent is unaffordable and wages are stagnant. So while we winning some, but it's still behind. And I think that we definitely can do more for the community. I'm hoping that resolution will come to us sooner within the next couple of years. Any crisis happening right now, that means the conversation 10 years behind already. So yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. And with the year coming to a close, what are some plans that you are planning to make for your future in 2023? For 2023, I'm hoping to the current work continue on. We will continue to fight for uh, community program and services for marginalized community, uh, bring it back to them, right? Uh, because everyone deserves all the good things in life, on the world that, that, you know, that they can offer. But at the same time, for the plan of 2023 is to continue with a dialogue on organized in a sustainable way and rebuilding and building more capacity into the work. And then for my work in Big Vote, you know, we got funded this year. So continue on the work, like hiring, recruiting more people and training because in the Vietnamese community, a lot of leaders, a lot of organizers, um, we don't have the training that needed to do the work. So we're going to definitely talk about that. And our group's going to start thinking, researching, and thinking about how to bring more program and services into the Vietnamese community, um, continue with, with, with our campaign on, you know, me with, like, organize within the community and build a relationship with them. To kind of close this up, I want to know what are the words of advice that you want to give to anybody listening to this particular podcast today? Looking back at the words I have done with a lot five years and the growth I have made myself to this point, I would encourage everyone to wake up every morning with a sense of purpose and ask yourself, what can I do 
for my communities today and start there. Start with purpose and a permit and go. And don't be afraid of doing it and not, you know, like, um, and if you make a mistake, it's okay. It's okay. Surround yourself with the people that who truly love you and support you, the people that will come and inspire you, the people who come and ask you what can they do to, to ride along with you with this work. That's the real meaning of support. When somebody can come and say, how can I do this work with you? Let's, let's find that out. And yeah, don't be afraid. Just do it. Life is a journey. You can absolutely make mistakes. And welcome the mistake and learn from it and see you'll be amazed of at the end, you know, a year or five years down the road and reflect back and see like how much grow you've done at a person. I know I did. I get to where I am today, not without, you know, a lot of support from the community um, and the leader team San Diego and definitely made a lot of mistakes along the way. I learned so much and I'm I'm only going to get better from this point on. This is a great story that you got to share, Jane. I got to finally hear it because um, you were a guest speaker at City Heights Rotaract, but this was during Zoom call where we're still kind of new to it. So the fact that I was able to sit here, bring you as a guest and hear the full story of yours, um, it really touched me and I'm really glad. Um, how do you feel? I mean, I know you mentioned a lot of hard points, uh, one particularly with your brother. How do you feel sharing this story again? I feel reflective and um, the end of the year coming, thinking about what my next step, what I've done and where else I can go. Um, I feel like this interview this came a perfect time in a way because it's also allowed me to like name me these things, these thoughts out loud as I'm looking back and I'm reflecting. Um, in a way, it feels very cathartic, like letting things go, accepting things, and figuring out all of it. It, it feels good. It, it does feel good for me being at the moment. So thank you. I really was glad that you uh, came in here. So yeah, thank you so much for doing this. This really meant a lot that you came in. Of course, I want to be supportive of your work too. I think you're doing a really good thing because, you know, there's a lot of people in the world doing the work and we don't always know and hearing it and connect more people into the work, which is really great. I appreciate you. John Wee Tran, everybody. Thank you so much, John Wee, for coming into Gotha Nation being vulnerable, sharing your story, and share a lot about what you're fighting for and a lot of the work that you've done. Your work is amazing, and I want people to know who you are and what you do. So thank you, John Wee, for giving me time to share your story out into the world here in Kata Nation. And for those of you listening right now, please give John Wee a follow. Follow via votes. Learn more about this community and be a help in criminal justice. Uh, people really need it. So I really want to thank everybody who did listen to this podcast. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is coming up around the corner. That's why I decided to do the podcast a day early. Again, um, we're just getting ready to wrap up. Next week is the season finale of Gata Nation Studios. I can't believe we're this far. And I'm very excited to finally introduce to you guys the co-host of Kata Nation Studios moving forward. Roxy Cruz is coming to Kata Nation Studios. I want you to get to know her. And I'm very excited to share with you this amazing woman, what she's been up to. You're just going to see a lot of great things coming up season five, six, seven. She's going to be around for a long time. And I'm, I'm very excited to 
work with her moving forward. But that's going to be it for this special edition of Kata Nation Studios. We'll see you all next week. Take care, everybody. We are Kata Nation. Like what you heard? Keep listening to the amazing podcast here on wearecatenation.buzzsprout.com. And also find me, Catenation Studios, on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, go to at wearecatenation, Catenation Studios, for more.